First-hand human connection is an impactful way to create genuine behavior change. When someone you spend time with acts in a way you admire, you may adopt that learned behavior because you want to. But what happens when you feel disconnected from other humans, either physically or culturally, and yet you're still expected to learn new skills? Are we as humans still able to learn, and more specifically, e-learn, without that human connection? I am Lauren Anders Brown, your host for this episode, and I'm going to be learning the answer to this question and more with our guest, Mehdi Tunzi. This is a podcast for trainers, educators, learning and development professionals, coaches, and mentors, the education technology community, and anyone who wants to leverage new ways to reach lifelong learners, and a look at what others in the e-learning industry are doing to make that happen. Today, we're speaking with Mehdi Tunzi. And I'm, I might be a bit of a learning geek to my own admission. Mehdi is the Senior Regional Director of Open Sesame for Europe, the Middle East, and Africa. More than a regional director, Mehdi approaches his work a little differently. My name is Mehdi, as you mentioned. I manage the email operations um, at Open Sesame, but I guess for the sake of this podcast, I've been in the learning space, learning world for over 20 years now. Um, I've been very fortunate to, to be able to um, work on different continents. Uh, I'm, uh, I've also been very fortunate to live in very diverse backgrounds. Uh, my background is North African, but I was born and raised in France and uh, lived in the US, lived in Australia, lived in Africa, lived in um, the UK where I'm currently based. So what's your approach when it comes to e-learning and inclusivity? It is very interesting because learning, learning or e-learning full stop, uh, I feel already there's almost a, an obstacle to that. I, I feel for many years, people are almost taught to unlearn and instead are, are being force-fed learning. So when you get to the, the, the corporate world and then you move to like e-learning, I think that the first very obstacle to inclusion in terms of learning is uh, having making learning fun, making learning engaging. That's probably the, the very first step uh, because boring learning or, you know, um, Electronic page turning is certainly not going to like, encourage any form of learning. And then, to your point, um, you need to make sure that whatever learning you're providing people fits their own context, their own environment, their own appreciation, their own biases um, in regards to like, the, the topic um, they'll be learning about. So it, it's, um, it's quite a, a, a wide topic. So to narrow it down a little bit, just from your own personal experience, how has your journey impacted your approach to inclusion with e-learning? I well, it's 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 funny, but um, and almost anecdotal. But I attended a, an event recently, and there was a, a speaker, someone who works for um, Netflix and has produced shows for um, other networks. And a fascinating thing, he was sharing that um, ninety percent of the content produced worldwide um, is US centric. So there's a very strong bias. So it's, yeah. I do know that as a filmmaker, that is very true. Okay. And so I, I was, in all fairness, I did not know. And I was shocked because I realized that to a certain extent, that means there's quite a lens on the content that's being pushed out there because it's content that 
start with is being designed or created with a, you know a certain set of beliefs or approaches in mind that does not necessarily fit 90% of the world because there isn't a one size fits all. And, and just then often do the parallel with food because um, I don't know that I'm a foodie, but I certainly love food. So in, in the same way that I can't assume, I, I love my cheeses. Um, and I remember a few years ago, I was chatting with one of my colleagues um, uh, from China and we were having that conversation around food. And for him, he was actually fascinated that I loved blue cheese. And I, I remember he, he used a, um, an expression I had never thought about. He said, Mehdi, how do you enjoy like, rotten milk? And then I was like, well, actually, that's a, that's, a, that's a very interesting perspective because I never thought of my blue cheese as being rotten milk. But I suppose you could certainly see it that way. Um, and then I think that at that point, I, I started thinking, hold on. It is true that often when looking at learning and especially e-learning, the majority of the, 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 the big producers of e-learning tend to be US or UK centered and therefore a lot of the content they create even though you know we will talk about oh yeah that content has been created for a global audience or that content is available in, in this and that language that doesn't actually mean or imply that that content will fit a specific audience first of all you should not um start from like, higher grounds that idea and especially you know I, I've, I've talked about imperialism but you can talk about colonialism and um, and it, it, I think it's fascinating that to this day you still find a lot of um, content around the te- the themes of diversity, for example, or inclusion that are US or, cent- or, or UK centric, but very much with an approach. Let us tell you how you should perceive us perceiving you um, in the context of diversity, completely ignoring and being oblivious of the fact that. Actually, we're not all starting from the same standpoint. And your view, especially like in the US, for example, there's a very specific view and lens on diversity, which is very different from what it would be in Europe or what it would be in Asia. Um, and, and often you find with learning or learning, vendors completely being oblivious of that, thinking that, hold on, our course is really good in explaining you know, the, 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 what diversity is from a US standpoint. And thinking that, oh, we can do the same in other territories and just completely mi- missing that mark. As a curator of e-learning, what are some of the resources you find to be examples of inclusive e-learning and how do they work? So and, and that's a good question. And, and uh, whether we, we stick with the, the analogy around food um, and if we were to do that, it starts with flavors and, and that could be languages. The fact that, again, the nature of the beast is that the majority of the content uh, produced out there, and I'm talking about learning content here, tends to be in English. However, now there's more and more data, and it's really interesting. And in, in, in fact, if I may um, mention, a, uh, there's a great study that goes out every year by um, Donald Taylor called the, the Global Sentiment Survey that looks at you know trends and you know what are the important things for learning professionals you know w- within like, their ecosystem. And very recently, one of the things that made into the top three was that personalization of learning. And then when you dive into the data, you realize that where before maybe there was more of a homogeneous approach to learning and it was more around the technology. In the past few years, what we've seen is like clear differences across countries where you know there's there's a need to like better understand or respond to like an expectations from the individual learners. 
So if there was a magic button you could press that would instantly create a new resource that doesn't yet exist, what would it include? I, so it, it, it's funny, but recently I've, uh, I've tried out some, some learning content that was um, VR-based um, and therefore gives you a, lot, a very immersive experience. And, and I'm not saying that's necessarily the, the, the magic bullet because I don't think there's a one I don't believe in a one size fits all, and I don't think there's a format that is, you know, more powerful than others. I think it's having a blended approach is it remains the most efficient way of getting people engaged and people learning and, and impacting the behavior through that learning, which is the bottom line. You know, learning for the sake of learning is great, but especially in the workplace, it is to be able to impact behavior so that people can be better at what they do and be a better version of themselves. So. I've been very, very impressed with what you can do with VR and that immersive aspect. If you think about it, you know, walk a mile in my shoes. Um, you know, how would it feel for, especially if you if if you're used to working in a male-dominated environment, and um, just finding yourself in the position of a female and everything from microaggressions to uh, funny not funny jokes are being made based on your gender, um comments, remarks, or, you know, even worse. I think that certainly, you know, helps drive the, the message more clearly. And again, it's not, I don't think it's, a, it's the, the magic bullet. I don't think there's a magic bullet. And I also think that there's definitely a shift in the behaviors and, and the expectations of the, the, your learn, the learners, which is driving things in the right direction. But I, I, I think it's a journey. I don't think there's a solution that will come and just solve all, all of the challenges. So you just brought up a really good point that I wanted to touch on, which is the roles that humans play when it comes to inclusive e-learning. Oftentimes when we think of e-learning, we think of technology and a single human, but what roles can multiple humans play? and interacting with e-learning and the impact that that can have on their ability to learn? Well, I, I think you, there's so many different points. I mean, the, the first one is making e-learning truly accessible. And that might mean cross-captioning, that might mean having audio. It's not just the languages, it's not just having, you know, the look and feel of the characters that look maybe less European-centric and more global. And so, so from the technologies, said itself, there's many things that just can make it far more uh, inclusive um, to the learner. But then I think that the second question is, I think an important thing is, even though it's e-learning, I think any learning, whether it's e-learning or should be almost like triggering a reaction from the learner to really get them on their journey to impact their behavior. And, and I, I find that it's, far more powerful when that's backed up by almost like that notion of core learning where yes i'm doing that course on my own but then i'm bouncing the outcome of that course or the idea of that of that course with a colleague or am i seeing actually a change in the behavior we have as a group as a result of of watching that if i mention an example and um, i've had that was very interesting a little while back we worked with a a, a large automotive company and they had a they wanted they actually wanted to tackle unconscious bias and we were yeah but you know what do you mean it's 
Uh, oh, no, no, we need just a cross on unconscious bias. They were adamant. And it was like, yeah, but it'd be great to understand. And they pushed the cross on unconscious bias. And then, sure enough, a few weeks go by, they have a management meeting, and their management team is 80% male and 20% female. And during that management meeting, there's one of the, um, the, the, the some of the males may very derogatory jokes to their female colleagues and like, why don't you go and make us coffee and you know things like that and clearly not funny but two things happen as a result of that and when we just debriefed with the, the hr director first of all um the jokes happen and no one um, you know said anything the hr person who was there did not say anything either which is probably even worse because you're essentially just allowing for that kind of behavior to happen and they after that, they decided to do a debrief and do a work around like behavior. And they started using like different case examples saying, okay, um, and it, it was a very basic things like a woman walks in the street and she gets, you know, cat called. What would you think of that? Oh, no, that, you know, that's, there's no harm. It's just, you know, a, a joke, but it's harmless. Okay, fine. Your mother, your sister, your wife walks and get cat called. And all of a sudden, some of the guys started, no, that's not right. Oh, okay. How, how is that? <laughs> Not but right, they're, they're both women. They're both women. And this is, I mean, I think this is such an important point that you're making that we don't want to change until it affects us. Which is the, fundamentally the issue because they had to dive into that discussion where, you know, why does it impact you and why does we have to wait for it to be personal for you to, not, you know, be able to not be a bystander and just like speak up and say, okay, actually that behavior is not the kind of behavior we want within our workplace and it's wrong and why you need to voice it and how you need to voice it. So it, it, my point being e-learning learning is great, but really it's being able to see the impact on behavior and have those conversations, those discussions that will drive that agent that's that people stick with that, that, that will make a difference. So it, making it inclusive and educating people around this and understanding your unconscious biases and you know uh, how you create psychological safety it's all great but it's even better when you can like see it like through the the behaviors of people like what behaviors do we need to like have that really reflects that and where we all align so that we can be a more inclusive environment and that doesn't necessarily mean people agreeing with everyone's i don't let's say political views for example because that's always an, an, an interesting one i i don't have to agree with our you know or share the same political views as my colleagues for us to be able to get on and work great together. But having that aspect of inclusion is me learning that actually it is okay for people not to share my opinion. And it still means that we can work together and we can be productive together regardless of that. And, and it's that journey and not being able to apply that kind of behavior that is important. So when you're describing what you, the term you used before, a blended approach, it sounds mm -hmm. like it's important to get people in the room together. It's important to get people to at least identify with some empathy. And then you can take the learning journey on from there. Then people can can take it into their own hands and go down the path of different curated options when it comes to how they can work to unpack those issues. Yeah. And, and, it, and you know, with the risk of, you know, sounding really basic, it's almost if you teach me how to fish or... I don't know how to um, catch. I don't know. I, I, it's, my wife is vegan, so I'm not going to say hunt because that's, that's not. I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> but um, let's stick with the fishing uh, example. Um, 
or if you teach me a lot how to grow but you know certain kind of veg and, but if i don't get to apply it if i don't get to do it at, at what point is there value and more importantly if i don't get to apply it the reality is that i will you know the whole being house forgetting curve i will very quickly forget about it and it's not going to be embedded in my behavior so it, it, it's for me that's why i'm talking about a having that blended approach it's not just learning for the sake of learning it's really being able to apply that learning in, in a very contextual and um, you know and um, situation so that it has the maximum impact it can have on my behavior and then you know gets a repeated behavior that reflects that versus we talked about unconscious bias we know about what unconscious bias is and, and then next week well, someone is going to like, again make a, a joke about that person's and um, i don't know hat or color or dress or you know sexual preference and then we're completely missing the point it really is i think the value comes from give me the time and that's where learning is powerful is give me the time to really reflect on it and then put my head around it and understand it and and then allow me to just discuss it with colleagues with not within my work environment see okay what does that mean because i've thought about it that my own behavior but what does that mean about you know in regards to our collective behavior as a group as a team as a company it is the best foot you can put forward is the attitude that you have in the workplace to then show to your clients or your customers right you know at the end of the day it just makes it a whole lot easier and enjoyable than for people to work together i mean it, it, you mentioned it uh, around now that, that that's true we spend like a massive chunk of our life learning and um, but if you're not applying that learning, it just goes out of the window, which is a real shame if you think about it. And so being able to like put it to use and and work around it and you know allow it to evolve because we all evolve and it, I think it's important that um, things evolve as well with it is also important. And again, it's not about everyone agreeing on everything. It's just on having a set of like, rules and behaviors that just reflect a better version of you know the collective and, and the working together core concepts that you were describing about how we need to get everyone into a room and then we need to like send everyone off on their paths and we have to have you know accommodate for the different languages and the different cultures and the different settings and that sounds like a lot of work Mehdi. so is it ever acceptable to just ignore all that and just tick the box and move on? Well, I mean, it, sadly, it has been for too long. Um, I, I'd, I'd like to think, but I don't think it's, we're not talking about added work. We're not talking about, oh, you've already have plenty on your plate and we're adding plenty on your plate. We're talking about how can we make it more enjoyable? How can we make it easier? How can we make it so that people don't get frustrated because that comment has been made about them. I, I, we, we, we shared last time, and thank you very much because you shared with me like, uh, uh, the work you've done around like, um, you know, menstruation and, and menopause, for example, which where there's still so little that is known and, and understood, and which explains why, again, you hear but you know people commenting on, oh, that colleague, oh, she's crazy, you know, that's that time of the month, which, which is. That's, I mean, it's insane when you think about it. If if we reverse the roles, for example, you know, if, uh, and I've, I've confessed, I'll, I'll use myself as a guinea pig, 
the minute I start having the sniffles, that's it. I'm I'm like a I have proper man flu. Gather the family, <laughs> bring a priest. That it's it's the end. I need everyone to my side. Please make me a soup. I can't for a, a tiny thing. And yet, when and we know that you know it, it's not an, an easy thing to go through. Yet there's very little empathy or understanding to okay, how does that impact their work? How can how can I be you know uh, more supportive of my female colleagues and um, if they're struggling with that and you know be more understanding of that because if i had just broken my arm for example or broken my foot i'll get lots of empathy people would be oh you poor thing yeah that must be tough or, well I'll, we'll take it easy on you because and yet you know there's very little education on you know half of the, the workplace which is you know females and what they have to you know how they're being challenged so this, I think this it, it's not adding on people's plate. It's actually making it like a much better and nicer life. Not I, I was going to say work environment, but it's not work environment. It, it's life. At the end of the day, it's you know, it's life. It is life, and it's it's understanding other people's lives are all different. Just because you may have one lived experience to approach things with does not mean that your lived experience should automatically be mirrored on someone else. It's not like a copy paste situation. Everyone comes from different backgrounds. Like you said, everyone has a different starting point because that's what they were exposed to for a majority of their life. And a lot of the work of being more inclusive when it comes to the professional setting stems back to where we came from to begin with and what was acceptable to talk about and what was acceptable behavior and looking at what is now not acceptable. It, it, totally. And, and, it, and as I said, it's, I think you made a really good point. A lot of it stems from ignorance. And the best way to fight ignorance is through education. It, it's that simple. And it's allowing people the time to digest as well that education. So it's, and I might have a slight bias, but what I like about e-learning is that it gives me the time for me to reflect from my standpoint, from my perspective, from and then after that, having the opportunity to be able to like exchange and bounce back ideas with the ones I spend not my time with, or work with, or even in my private life, also helps put things into context. But it's it should start with the self, and then I can move to our, you know the team environment and, and and the workplace environment. Um, but that's where it, it starts. And and to your point, there's so many things people are oblivious of i mean it's it's funny but literally as early as this morning i was chatting with a, a colleague of mine and she told me she until she moved to london and um, she did not realize how privileged she was because she's white and a, a lot of the you know other challenges she had she just had not come across them because it, it's just the the state of things so there's so many different layers. It, it's you know, it, it, it's a highly complex um, thing. But that's why we need more education. That's why we need more inclusion. That's why we need to have a better understanding of diversity. Understanding that not everyone's perspective is the same. Not everyone's life has been the same. So you know, we're all starting from different standpoints. And some countries or some regions are very advanced when it comes to I don't know LGBTQ rights, for example. I think one last question I'd love to touch on is. As people and companies and decision makers embark on their efforts to not leave anyone digitally behind, what are some best practices you would suggest to companies? So it, it's very interesting because um, that's a real, really challenging one. Uh, we hear a lot about equity uh, in, in the corporate world, but 
when you look at it, especially from a, a, a learning and development standpoint, there's not been a real equity of learning because more often than not, two things happen. A lot of the investment around training and learning is focused on the management or senior management population. The reality is that even when it comes to like that equity to access to education, everyone should be given the opportunity to better themselves. Um, and therefore, if as an organization we're providing learning, that learning should be accessible to all, at least you, you, you'd expect in an ideal world. But the reality starts with the technology where often you'll find that, yes, anyone who's office space will have access to like, the learning management system or the learning experience platform that is in place, but not necessarily the employees that are maybe on the factory floor or other things. So it starts there. And, and when the, the learning programs are being put in place, often those employees seem to be you know, forgotten or it will be limited to a compliance-driven training because it's compliance and it has to be done. It's not necessarily because we want to give them the opportunity, the opportunity to um, better themselves. So I, I, my five cents worth is look at how you can make sure that you have a real equity of access to learning. And, and just as a side note, for me, it's a, it's a beautiful story. We, we worked with a, um, uh, fairly, uh, not very large, I think they have five or 7,000 employees, but a fairly global um, refrigeration company. And what they, they did for the first time last year, they offered access to learning, e-learning in that case, to all their employees. And, and they have a 60% um, blue collars versus 40% white collars. And as a result of that, they've had now many cases of those blue collars very, being very like, hungry for content hungry to like, develop themselves and better themselves. And they've had like, many cases and case studies around people that had been on the shop, on, on the factory floor for 10 or 15 years that now have moved into a like, management role because they knew the organization inside out. What they were lacking is the opportunity to be able to develop themselves, work on those skills, develop their competencies to be able to move into like, those um, higher up roles. And, and they ended up with that. And, and we're having some case studies written on, the, on that. But I, I, lo I love that because it's, it, I think it's, you know, everyone should be given the opportunity. Uh, and as an organization, if you want to, especially the people who are already, you know, dedicated to like, your organization and working on your organization. And um, I'm not sure that when it comes to access to learning, it should be limited to those are already privileged within the organization. And I'm not saying that, you know, if you're doing a dedicated, high-level leadership program, okay, granted that that can't go to like every single employee, but, you know, things like, I don't know, giving and receiving feedback and, and like the basics of like leadership or time management, and I, I, I can't see why that should be limited to just those in, in management position and why not? being given to anyone within the organization. So to sum it up, it sounds like we need to put the participant at the forefront of what is going to be introduced as far as e-learning is involved. We need to allow for differences in language and gender, race, location, um, and environments, learned experiences when it comes to that, and having a blended approach. So having some of it be human connected in person or virtual if it has to be Zoom, but having it be both in-person conversations and 
individual learning journeys in order to really make an impact and include everyone? Yeah, spot on. You can't have anything siloed. I think you, you, you cannot get the right impact if, if you if there's you know silos within that learning. And, and we're talking about diversity and inclusion, and you know equity is a big aspect of that. And equity means everyone should be able to be given the opportunity to like develop themselves. If you'd like to get in touch with us today regarding uh, the episode or previous episodes or anything else, please send me an email at lauren at gameoteca.com. That's all for this episode on how humans e-learn together, supported by Gameoteca. Until next time.